We have tackled mindset coaching. We've tackled nutrition coaching. We've tackled the importance of fitness in the recovery journey. But now we have to talk about that final piece to our safe house build, spirituality. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. So today we're going to talk about spirituality. If you Google the word spirituality, which of course I'm a Googler, so that's the one of the first things that I did as I sat down to record and plan this episode. Well, if you do that, you'll find a definition right at the top of the page that reads like this. Spirituality is the quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul, as opposed to material or physical things. Hmm. The quality of being concerned with the human spirit or soul, as opposed to material or physical things. Okay. So maybe it's my intellectual curiosity or my need for things to be bigger than what they actually are. (laughs) Hyperbolic temperament, what? But that wasn't doing it for me. So then I click on what exactly is spirituality? And it reads like this. Spirituality is a broad concept with room for many perspectives. In general, it includes a sense of connection to something bigger than ourselves, and it typically involves a search for meaning in life. As such, it is a universal human experience, something that touches us all. People may describe a spiritual experience as sacred, or transcendent, or simply a deep sense of aliveness and interconnectedness. Okay, so now we're starting to get somewhere. We know that spirituality is concerned with the human spirit or soul and that it is meant to include a connection to something bigger than ourselves. So I wanted to start out by defining spirituality because honestly, when I started out in my recovery journey, I had no idea what spirituality meant. I thought that people that were spiritual were one, religious, two, yogis, people who practice yoga, and three, I just thought that spirituality just was something that sounded nice, but it wasn't something that I had internalized as a practice that would foster recovery. And I grew up in the Catholic Church, so I grew up Catholic, um, and I didn't really learn within my family structure and within the Catholic school system, unfortunately, why spirituality was important. I learned a lot of rules and procedures and religious law, and I learned, I I would say, a good bit about God, but I disconnected from that pretty deeply during that time where I had I was growing up. I had a lot of growing up to do. So if you've listened to this podcast before, then you would You remember when I talked about that breakup that I had had with my boyfriend. So around that time, I wasn't practicing. I was, I did go to a Catholic high school. So we had obligatory events that we had to attend, like chapel um, and things like that. But we didn't, I didn't practice it and I didn't really connect its importance to my life. 
in any sort of way at all. So spirituality was never something that I thought of. And even more so after that breakup, I turned away from everything God. I remember getting angry and frustrated in religion class as a high schooler because I didn't like the things that they were saying. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand why it was mandatory to learn about religion. I thought that that would be somebody's choice. I didn't understand the whole package, basically. (laughs) So I fought hard against it. And I also thought that if there was a God that God wouldn't let me have BPD, right? And I didn't know I had BPD. So more so if there was a God, then God wouldn't let the pain that I experienced be so big and so deep. So I started, you know, into what they would call atheism, where I believe that after we die, there's nothing. We just die and you go into the ground and you're dead. And so what? I I also dabbled in (laughs) witchcraft, which I know, you know, many of you out there can probably relate to that. I've come across a lot of folk in the BPD community who consider, consider themselves witches, um, white witches, what have you. I did a little bit of that. I thought that was like cool for a while. Well, but I never really explored the idea of spirituality. I mean, again, that definition doesn't sound like what my journey was at all. Even when I was going into these cool shops and smelling the incense and just really loving the energy of people that were even into things like witchcraft, it just seemed like that was a community for them. Um, So I fought against anything that had to do with spirituality because that, like I said, that wasn't spirituality. Spirituality, by definition, is something that connects us to something bigger than ourselves. And all the while throughout that journey, I wasn't looking to connect to something bigger than myself. I was looking to connect to anything and anyone. So it didn't come until later on where I started exploring my spirituality. So in this episode today, What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about my journey from Catholicism, religion, through atheism, into what I believe in now and how that all came to be for me. And I want you all to know that my journey isn't going to be the same as your journey in terms of spirituality. The purpose of today's episode is to let you know that spirituality is important So if you've written it off or if you believe that there's nothing more to life but just dying and then you get buried and you're just a decaying bones and there's no other purpose in life, I challenge you to discover what your spirituality is, to not just write it off. Because feeling a sense of purpose and connection to and having a spiritual experience is so important in your recovery journey because there is something bigger. It's just up to you to figure out what they, what that means. So when I started looking into spirituality, I had done the greater portion of the work in recovery. I was doing really well. Um, I had a handle on my emotions. I was connecting more with Jay. I was parenting better. But the one thing that I was having a hard time with was figuring out how to get my son to use his moral compass when he wasn't with us because he hadn't grown up with that kind of stability, with that emotional stability from me. He had had 
you know, he, when you have children and you have BPD, your children, no matter what you think, they're going on that emotional roller coaster with you. That's just how it is. So I had gotten to the point where things were really great at home when he was with us, but there was just something missing. And honestly, I didn't know it before we explored how to instill morality in him. Um, but there was also something missing in me. And I Again, I hadn't really given much thought, even up to this point, into spirituality because it's so much to wrap your mind around. And growing up Catholic, I just saw a lot of hypocrisy. Like I remember just from a really early age, they had the sacrament of reconciliation. And that meant that you'd stand in line and you would say that these words... And you would say the sin that you did in front of the priest and then they would absolve you from that and then you'd pray some prayers and then that would be it. So it seemed to me like that was like a free pass for all the adults in my life to act however they wanted to act, do whatever they wanted to do, and then they're just forgiven for that. And there's, I remember recognizing that when I was in second or third grade around that age. So to me... I still was wary of this, of this idea of spirituality. And I'm talking now just a few years ago. So we decided that we would try to find a church community in order to help my son begin to learn morality. Because they're not teaching that in the public school, as I'm sure many of you know. And my husband, he had grown up in the Midwest and he had grown up Christian and he, I mean, he's a great guy. So I thought, okay, you know what? Let's try it. So we found a church in the area, a storehouse church in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. It's a great place. So I'll just give them a shout out. And um, we decided to take him there. And it was just a really interesting experience. I had never been to a church that wasn't a Catholic church and it was very welcoming and friendly and they have this kids program and, you know, we went in and he went into the kids program and we went into our service and they had a band and they were playing music and it was just cool, fun time. I didn't really think anything of it. People were really kind. But then he, my son came out after that service and he had a paper in his hand and it was a handout that they had gotten, and it had this um, word on it. Now, I can't remember the word at the time, but it's one, it was one of the morals that I had been practicing. So I'm not sure exactly which one, but one of the ones that I remember from the very beginning is joy. So all month long, they would teach the children the definition and this word. So for joy, the definition was choosing to be happy even when things don't go your way, right? So choosing to be happy even when things don't go your way. I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that's what it means to be joyous? And each week I was more and more curious because I'm like, I never learned that. That wasn't part, wait a second, guys. You know, that wasn't part of what I learned about God, about joy, about morality. I didn't learn this this concept of joy. So it really sparked my interest, right? Because I'm looking for anything that I can do to help him heal, to help him understand his bigger purpose, to help him develop this very important social and emotional skill of cognitive emotional empathy. So when he starts learning that 
joy is something he should actively strive to choose because that means that the world around you could be just awful. But if you choose joy, you're actively choosing to be happy regardless of the awful circumstances around you. When he was learning that for 30 days, I thought, wow, this is game changing. This is going to help him. And so I, it sparked my interest in God, in the Bible, in these morals that they were teaching my son. So I started reading the Bible. And that was a really transformative experience for me because I had never actually read it before having been in my new mindset because everything had been such, I was so close-minded before recovery. Even going to a church like that would have been so out of my realm of comfort. And even before, I think, you know, in the beginning when Jay and I first met, he did mention that he occasionally went to church, but I had never gone with him in all the years that I had been dating him or even, you know, when we got married. So I figured, well, now's a good time to go and check this out. And now I should open this Bible because I'm not, my mind isn't closed off to that stuff, quote unquote, anymore. So as I started reading, I just started reading the words in red. So if you haven't bought a Bible in a while, in the New Testament where they're talking about Jesus, Jesus's words are in red. And that's just where I started. When I started reading it, I was just blown away because all the stuff that was in red, all the stuff that Jesus was saying were the things that I had been practicing all of this time for years to try to get right so that I could recover. Jesus talks about humility. He talks about unconditional love. He talks about forgiveness. He talks about hypocrisy and how to stop being a hypocrite. And over and over and over again, he says things like, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth, right? So he's like, look, you don't have to believe me but I am telling you the truth. And he says this theme throughout the whole New Testament. And I was like, okay, this is just too uncanny. How can this guy who they say is Jesus, who Christians believe, or some people believe, let's say, is the son of God. How does he know the things that helped me recover? crazy. So I had a spiritual experience in that moment when I started connecting the things I was reading in the Bible in both the New and the Old Testament. When I started reading that and I recognized my eyes were open and my mind was open to the words that I was reading and I started really making all of these connections to what what it was saying in there to what they were telling us in service, to what my son was learning, and all of that stuff. It just made so much sense to me. And it was like, how do you people know this? Jesus, how do you know? God, how do you know that this is how I recovered from BPD? And it sounds funny to me as I say it out loud, but it was just such a huge spiritual awakening for me. It was a big journey for me. So I kept going to church week in and week out and I kept reading the Bible and I, you know, joined some groups where people talk about the Bible and I just found that that 
reading the Bible and reading the things in the Bible and knowing what I'm going through and knowing the things that you guys are all going through and learning morality and teaching morality to my son and teaching him it as part of a bigger picture. Like, it's just so important. I don't feel empty anymore because I know that there is a God and I believe in that. And I believe that after I die, I'm not just going to get buried and I'm not just going to be, you know, nothing. I'm not just this little fleeting moment and I won't have a soul. We absolutely, in my belief system, have a body and we have a soul. And when we die, our body decays, sure, and then our soul goes to a better place. Our soul goes to heaven. Now, how did I come to that conclusion after having been against everything God prior to that? I just read the Bible. I'm not religious. I'm still not a religious person, but I am a spiritual person and I do believe in God and I do believe in Jesus and I read the Bible and the Bible is where I get my information. It's where I get my proof, quote unquote. It is just incredibly uncanny that the things that it's saying that people, quote unquote, should do in order to be good people are all of the things that I had been practicing and I was seeing and reaping the benefits from that. That was my spiritual awakening. I just started reading the Bible. So what I'm going to do in the next segment is I'm going to read my testimony because I ended up getting baptized after this. So again, I'll reiterate, I hesitate to say some of the things I'm saying because I know that there are so many of you out there who have been hurt by people in a church body. I know that I've coached people. I've had therapy sessions with people who have been brutally abused by the church community. I know many people out there listening are probably really angry with God. I know some of you don't believe and, you know, may even turn off your your radio because this is not something that you want to hear. And I respect all of that. What I am encouraging you to do is open a Bible, open whatever religious text that's going to lead you to learning about a higher power. Read them all if you want to. I know I did and that's my journey. I even have a copy of the Bible that was translated in Aramaic because I didn't want a Bible that was translated in a bunch of different languages. I want the truth just like with everything else I talk about here. So go out and read the things that will lead you to spirituality. Look at how other people are practicing it. See what resonates with you and come up with what you believe in. What does that mean to you? So again, in the next clip, I'm going to read my testimony. A testimony is something that you're reading. It's a story that says, I didn't believe in God. I, I, my heart was changed. I believe in God and this is how I'm going to share my story with the world so that you you will consider believing in God too. So I want to say before I jump into reading my testimony, I just want to talk a little bit about what a baptism is. So if you've seen our company logo, you see that it's a phoenix and a phoenix is a very powerful symbol of transformation. When a phoenix supposedly dies in the ashes and then comes up from the ashes and rises from the ashes and is reborn into this beautiful creature. So a phoenix is this logo that we have to represent recovery because that's really what it is. The old you 
the you riddled with pain and personality disorder and intense emotions and rejection and emptiness. That you is dying and a new you is arising from the ashes. And that is you. You're the phoenix. So baptism has much is much the same. You are, when you go into the water, you're dying to your old self and you're being reborn again, a good person, a believer. And so baptism and a phoenix and the connection to spirituality is an important part of discovering your spirituality. So before you are baptized they ask you to write about your experience before lost can mean so many things to so many different people three minutes is not nearly enough time to explain all the ways that i was lost but i can tell you what it meant to me being lost meant waging wars and fighting battles against things that didn't matter and people that were just trying to help me. Being lost meant being selfish and believing that the world around me was set up to hurt me when really I was making choice after choice that allowed that kind of weakness. Being lost meant making decisions based on emotion and impulse, believing that emotion was fact and seeking validation and attention from anything and anyone no matter the consequence. Being lost meant believing that there is no eternal life, that this is the only life we get and that after we die, there's nothing. Being lost was like walking in the dark and being wrapped in emotional pain without a promise of ever seeing a light. Christ has been pursuing me throughout my life, though I was so stuck in my head that I was blind to this pursuit until recently. I met Christ soon after learning that everything that I have gone through in my life is a result of my own choices. I was hanging laundry while listening to the song Mighty Warrior by Elevation Worship. I was ready because I had finally learned the dangers of acting on impulse. I had finally learned about choice and the true beauty of free will. I knew what it meant to learn to love yourself or to at least try to forgive yourself for all of the horrible choices you made in the past. I learned to have contentment and to work towards a different life, and I learned that I can do anything that I want to do if I have enough effort, patience, grit, and by being a good person. I learned all of that, and I learned that I needed to show all of that to my son too, so we started coming to Storehouse, and then I found him. I never fully realized how lost I had been until I was found. Well, until I found him in me. He is the light that guides my soul. After. Life isn't perfect now, but I can say that it's much simpler. I have the gift of the Spirit flowing within me. I can see the path, and though I may stumble, I will stay the course and walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. Today, I am affirming my faith in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life. He has covered all of my sins and gives me new life. So that was about a year ago. I was baptized in November of last year, and it's been an amazing year. 
gosh, I can't believe it was just that short time ago. This year has been incredible. Once I started reading the Bible, I started soaking up that information, and I really started practicing being a good person. It is not easy, (laughs) but it is such a rewarding practice. What I learned that is that the concept of unconditional love, it comes from God. It comes from the Bible. Remember this quote, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 to 8 in the Bible. And that is just one example of how this whole journey has just been so powerful in recovery because I want to live by the law of love. And that is exactly what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about how to do that, what you can let go of, how to forgive others. The Bible even talks about what to do if you're depressed or if you have, or if you have anxiety. And I just really, you know, it resonates with me. I was always looking for instructions. How do I live my life? What instruction manual do I need? Well, this right here for learning love, which is, a, which is at the basis of everything that we are learning right now together on our recovery journeys. It's right here. Love is patient and kind. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. How many times in an episode with an FP have you been boastful and proud and envious? Are you patient? Does your love look like love? Verse 5, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. So love doesn't, love means you should be loyal because it doesn't dishonor others. You shouldn't be selfish because love isn't selfish. Love doesn't anger easily. It doesn't have a temper. It keeps no records of wrong. You know that argument you had with your partner three weeks ago where he said that thing? Yeah, love doesn't keep records of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. It protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres, and never fails. That's the perfect definition of love. And that comes from the Bible. So to me, I wanted instructions on how to love, and I have it right there. And I want to share those instructions with you guys. So if you're curious, and if you are just getting, you got the wheels turning today, and you're thinking about spirituality, I challenge you, I encourage you, I implore you, go out, explore. What is your testimony? What is your spiritual story? This episode is dedicated to Sam and Hannah. All right, so you heard my journey of spirituality. We're going to continue talking about spirituality and different practices and get other people's perspectives over the next few episodes. If you have any questions and you want to contribute to the Q&A portion of the episode, please reach out. You can contact Rose at rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com, or me rather, <laughs> and you can contact Jay at J J A Y at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Go ahead on and schedule your initial consultation with me or shoot Jay an email if you want to work with him. Have a great week.
Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.